And the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself, after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Genesis chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Messiah and life. Today we are Bahuts. We are outside. As you might be able to hear a little bit of water running in the background, a little bit of snow crunching underfoot. You have the blue sky, beautiful trees above, birds kind of fluttering about, a little bit of breeze, so you might hear that as well. It was too beautiful a day to sit in a little space and record. So I decided to take you outside with me to come out in Bechutz, come out to the outdoors and enjoy God's creation, which is part of the reason why I read Genesis chapter one. Right now you are immersed in God's word. When you are going outside, when you're in his creation, you are immersed in his word. And that's such a beautiful reminder as we make our way through this life. And I'll explain a little bit more of Bahuts in just a moment. There are several words that we find in Hebrew that can be translated as wilderness or outside or desert. And they each describe the specific type of geography or climates found there. Bechutz is from chutz, meaning to be separated by a wall and to be outside that wall. Outside, outward, out in a field, or out, as I am right now, on a path. I'm wondering, as I was kind of preparing my thoughts for today, if you might have the same, some of the same memories that I have from childhood of going outside to play. Do you remember the lessons that you've learned in your youth from the outside, from being outdoors? I think many of those early lessons helped to shape me in many ways, some for the good, and well, I'll I'll leave the others for another time. But I remember my friends and I, especially when we were 12, 13, 14 years old, <coughs> excuse me, we, we would go out and we would say, you know, we'd call each other on the phone back when phones were connected to houses. And we'd say, hey, do you want to go gallivanting? Which was our fancy way of saying, you want to go exploring, you want to go play in the woods. And I remember we would go for miles around the New Hartford, the Utica, New York area, and we would explore the woods that are around our houses, go way too far, trespassing way too much along the way, ending up in streets that are miles away from where we lived, 
many of those streets I still drive today and I see those spots where we popped up out of the woods wondering uh, how long is it going to take to get home but thankfully there was always a little store along the way the Ridgewood Market on Oneida Street that we could stop get a Charleston chew and a slush puppy always with way too much syrup of course but great times great memories and a lot of interaction even going back earlier you know to six and seven years old where you had to be home when the street lights came on but the lessons that we learned there are so beautiful the lessons we learn out in the wild in hebrew the book of numbers is fascinating the the term numbers it is applied comes from the accounting or the census that takes place early on but in hebrew it's bamidbar which literally means out in the wilderness or in the wilderness as i am right now i'm in the wilderness on our family's property for many of us the wilderness is a bit of a scary place you never know what's behind the tree where's the bear are there wolves out here what about foxes and coyotes i've heard stories about them too or maybe that uh, extraordinarily fast killer porcupine that might be hiding someplace it can be a scary place it can be a place of uncertainty what happens if you're 10 miles from your car and you twist your ankle you break your leg or you have a more severe medical incident it's a place of danger it's a place where as i mentioned the animals might come and get you <laughs> i've lived in the woods for almost 25 years and i have yet to have an animal come and get me uh, no matter how hungry they might have been or the other one is the fear of people of running across people who might want to do you harm and i can assure you that there are far fewer people wanting to do you harm in the wilderness than there <coughs> than there are in the streets but being out in the wilderness being bahuts being outside as i mentioned is a place of immersion into the word of god but also the will of god the wilderness is a place really of order because it was spoken into being by god's word and in fact that's the hebraic understanding of wilderness of midbar but midbar numbers comes from the root devar which frequently is translated as speak but it literally means to order or to arrange in fact if you really think about it speech is in order to words that are expressing intelligible ideas so midbar then according to a hebraic understanding is a place that exists or should exist i should say in a perfectly arranged order it knows its limitations because of what god has set it li- its limitation as but of course from one for one reason or another or one influence or another that order can be shattered when we consider israel for 40 years israel lived in the wilderness after being delivered from egypt one year for each day that the spies were walking 
in God's promise. They were literally walking in the promised word of God that was manifest as a promised land. But they refused to recognize his faithfulness. Even though they were carrying the evidence of his faithfulness between them. They tasted it. They saw it. But they denied it. They denied his faithfulness. So Israel was led through the wilderness for those 40 years. And by causing the children of Israel to live in the wilderness for 40 years, he was teaching them and also us, these many years removed order and harmony with his will. It was through disobedience. It was through a refusal to go up and take the promised land, to enter into his promise when commanded. They caused the decree of the Lord for a 40-year exile. They hadn't even entered into the promise yet, but they were exiled in the wilderness. But because of God's faithfulness and his love, he would do a reformation in the wilderness for his people. So why did they disobey? Well, out of fear. And this is reflected in the number 40 itself. In Hebrew, 40 is the number meme, which is a picture of turbulent water, turbulent seas. It's the water and the sea that Messiah walked on as he approached the boat with the disciples. It's a place of uncertainty. But it's through the wilderness experience that the children of Israel would grow in faith. They would grow to rely on and lean on the Lord, who he is, what his promise means, and how he will fulfill that promise. How sometimes we have to wait. We have to be patient. We have to endure until his promise is fulfilled in his time. We find the number 40 occurs in scripture quite often, quite often during trials, because it's a number that really conveys complete testing. Four is a number that in scripture represents the entire earth as it's expressed the four corners of the earth. It has to do more with the four directions than the thought that the Hebrews believed in a flat earth. While 10 is the number of human responsibility. So the cycle of 40, 40 days, 40 weeks, 40 months, 40 years, repeats often. And there are times when it represents a full testing by the enemy in a time of pressing for us. So the rabbis actually say in the Talmud that if you have not experienced the tribulation in the last 40 days, perhaps the Lord has forgotten about you. But Messiah so beautifully teaches us. He showed us by example in the gospels when tested by the devil after 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. That's where he was. He was Bamidbar. He was in the wilderness. He was Bakutz. He was outside. And we see that Yeshua's refutation of 
the devil of the enemy, the adversary, was based on three texts from Deuteronomy. 6 verse 13, 6 verse 16, 8 verse 3. And the enemy tried to shape Yeshua's understanding of sonship. That's really one of the things that we derive from that entire scene is that the enemy wanted to shape how Yeshua and ultimately how we view and understand sonship. And he wanted to do so according to worldly power, worldly position, worldly prestige. So where Israel failed, however, Yeshua passed the test. And because he passed the test, we in him also pass that test. So when we're in the wilderness season, when we're outside, when we're seemingly outside the wall of the place where we would most like to be, or we're just immersed in the midst of God's word and God's will, I look around and I see this beautiful sky that God called into being. I see the beautiful trees that know how to grow because he spoke the pattern of growth into being. I'm listening to the water flow down the hill and it flows in the stream bed that's been cut over a length of years and the snow hardened and crunching under my feet, the sun slowly setting in the west. Now the breeze, the ruach, the wind picking up and all of that. And I see an immersion into God's will and his word as this creation unfolds according to his plan and his design. We have to remember that even when we are outside of where we think we would want to be, he is shaping and using that time and forming us according to his will and his purpose. And we have to remember that it's not we who fight the battle. We are not fighting the enemy. We simply have to resist him and he will flee from us because it's Yeshua It's Jesus who won. And now we rest in him. We rest in his honor. We rest in his glory. We rest in his prestige. We rest in his promise. We're not wrestling now for our own fame. We're not allowing the trial to, uh, we're not allowing the trial to conform us to the world because the trial is conforming us to the image of the son of God, as Paul tells us. Just as in the wilderness, we are set in order. That's one of the most beautiful things that we find as the Lord arranges the camp of Israel, as he sets them, as they'll march out according to that pattern. They move according to his word. They move according to his will and his design. And that's really what we find ourselves grappling with in this day and age where we don't have the type of community that once was. Now we have to learn how to walk in that order and that design and that purpose quite often detached or not necessarily directly adjacent to someone else. But he's using even those moments of privacy, of private time, of isolation, <clears throat> of that proverbial wilderness experience, even within the midst of a mass of people to set us according to his will and his desire. Now, as we go out into the disorder of the society around us, as we who have been set right within the wilderness, set in the sun, set in the Messiah, 
the victor, we go out into the disorder of the society around us. We bring by his grace and his mercy and his love, his order. And how do we do that? We do so in the form of his word. And as I've said so many times, you might be the only sermon someone ever hears. And I mean that to speak of your life, your way of living, your way of walking in this world. To those who've not heard we become a living sermon, a living lesson, a living testimony, a living letter read by those around us. And when we look at all of the static that people face today in this world, all of the voices, we have to be mindful of those who are attempting to find and survey the promise and the purpose and the hope found in the living God. Because we have to recognize that right now, so many people are trying to find and survey the promise according to their own ability. And that's one of the reasons why so many of us face such constant um, frustration is because we're still trying to make sure it's just the right time to go into God's promise. So I encourage you, all of you who are listening, and you do bless my heart so much as you do listen, to get outdoors, bachutz, go outside. Just look around. You don't have to hike or walk anywhere. Just go outside and remind yourself of the blueness of the sky, of the power of the wind, of the beauty of the trees, the firmness of the earth that's beneath your feet, of the beauty of the water that is flowing beside you. And remember that God spoke all of this into being by, and it all flowed out according to his will and his design. And that reminds you that by his word, you have been reformed and renewed, made whole again in the person of his son in whom we have victory. So today, friends, I hope and pray that you found words of comfort, words of encouragement as we continue along the way during these trying times. As I've said so many times the last several weeks, these are the days that faith was made for. When everything seems most difficult, these are the times that we have to rely and lean in and depend entirely on Him. We have no choice anymore. So may the Lord bless and keep you all close to Himself as He leads you in these days as your friend as your Lord, as your Savior. Hallelujah. Amen. That's my prayer for you. Hey, would you do me a favor if you like this? Would you share it with a friend? Amen. So now as I prepare to sign off, I want to bless you in the name of the living God. In Jesus' name, may the Lord bless and keep you all. In the name that is above every name, Yeshua, Jesus. Amen. Amen.